0: Hey everybody, Dylan here. Welcome to a new episode of the Let's Go Eat show. On this episode, Dr. Paul White. Dr. White is a professor at the University of Utah. He teaches ethics and philosophy, and uh, he's a smart guy. He's one of my favorite people on Twitter. Whenever there's like a, a story in the news or something I'm not quite, I don't quite understand or I'm not quite sure how I feel about it, he's one of those, one of the people I turn to, to give me a viewpoint i hadn't thought of before and he does that a lot on this episode we talk a lot about race and looking at a situation from the perspective of a person who's different than you Uh, it was a really uh great conversation at a really great restaurant thanks to our friends at current and uh without further ado dr paul white on the let's go eat show
1: Uh, it's the Let's go Eat Show talking to Paul White, Doctor Paul White, uh, and we're at Current, uh, one of the fine restaurants in Salt Lake City. And did you you've been here? Did you right. pick Current?
2: Uh, actually, Dylan did. Didn't I he? did. Uh, yeah. We we uh, we,
1: were, we wanted to go to the Cracker Barrel.
2: Yeah, but then I got I got locked up in Cracker Barrel corporate policies and headquarters because I had to get permission from mm-hmm. corporate. Mm-hmm. And then, kind of last minute, I went. I'm not going to get this done in time. Yeah. And uh, we love the the people here at Current. Yeah. And uh, so they were last minute. They said, Psh, absolutely, "Of course, come I, down I, here." I,
3: I still think you should have told them you're bringing a black guy. If you told them you're bringing a black guy to Cracker, Cracker I think they would have done it. I I Thank think
1: you're maybe right because they did have some. Um, they had some issues with a. Uh, uh, black customers not feeling welcome at a cra- at Cracker Barrel for a while. Surprise. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. but but they uh, but th- and there was negative publicity about mm-hmm. it, and I think they addressed it. Yes. And they probably now would bend over backward to say, "Oh, you're interviewing a black man. Well, please come to Cracker <laughs> Barrel. It's on the house." So, uh, Doctor Paul White, as uh, you, if I don't know. Uh, people who listen to this podcast, who listen to the Radio from Hell show, uh, have some inkling of who Dr. Paul White is because your name comes up. And you're mm-hmm. you're an avid listener of the show, and you participate uh, mainly through Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what's the li- you do a thing actually about the Radio from Hell show almost every day, which is the three lessons you you've learned. Oh or well,
3: yeah, I'll pick a lesson or a quote or something, and I refer it to the. What I call the U of RFH University of University Radio, from Radio from Hell. Hell. Yeah. yeah, So I'll just pick something that to spread the spread the RFH knowledge
1: out there. Yeah, aren't we? Yeah, we're brilliant. <laughs> uh, but but now uh, we say Doctor Paul White, Doc Doctor, uh, uh, you're not a medical doctor. No, you, I'm,
3: I'm the original. The PhDs were the original doctors. So I have a doctorate in philosophy in experimental social psychology
1: and you're a professor at uh, the University of Utah. And uh, what do you teach?
3: I teach, um, as I said, a social psychologist. My research interests and teaching interests are in attitudes and persuasion, in prejudice and stereotyping, diversity, group processes work. Uh, What was the last thing? Group, group processes. So small group processes, so trying to understand what happens when people are working together in different groups, what happens when um, Things like social conformity, uh, de-individuation kind of factors. I don't know
1: what de-individuation is.
3: It's the idea that when you're in a group, you may in, you may get involved in activities that you would not do as an individual. It's peer because, pressure. Yeah, because you're not being able to be identified.
1: I just I went along with being a racist asshole because everybody else was.
3: Right, and you, and, and that happens, and and it's it's even more than you can't be singled out for it. So if you could be singled out for it, then you may not engage in it. But in a crowd, you're not singled out for it.
1: Now, I was thinking of it kind of slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, does, this, does the way I was thinking of it also happen where somebody will go along with the group and, and something awful will happen and they'll go, my God, that's not me at all. What happened? Why did I do this? Right. And that's where you think about more
3: conformity peer pressure kind of issues. Yeah. Because they're and, – and I know I've seen – Situations in which people have gone along with things that they may not want to do or Pretty would nasty not even, stuff, yeah. yeah pre- and yeah. and I know that from my own personal life. Really? Uh, mm-hmm. so, uh,
1: I, I well, do you care to elaborate?
3: Well, situations when I, I was thinking about the last time I u- I, the last time I ever used the N word
2: mm-hmm. in an
3: actual way to use it as the N word was probably it was can't remember the exact year, it was either my junior or senior year in high school during the summer, to yell at a black woman from a distance to just be joking around with a lot of white friends around me.
1: Oh, you, so you were I with white friends. Of, and I said it. And you yelled it out kind of at that woman, yep, black and, woman. And got called out on it. And By? That's pro- by
3: the the woman saw me. Um, but wasn't for sure if it was me, but thought it may have been me. And then someone, it was at a college, a summer college program when I was in high school. And this, one of the supervisors talked to me about it and said, do you realize the harm that word means? And I was like, and I was saying, yes, I do. And but, and I realized from that point on, I, I can't think of the time I've used it in that way. Ooh.
1: Uh, do you use the N word in a clinical sense sometimes in, in teaching or because I, I, I know there it's a black man who wrote a book called. Can I say it? It's up to you. Yep. It's so it's so hard to do.
2: Uh huh. Oh, you got some tea.
1: <laughs> yes, I did get some tea. Uh, I'm I'm going to have tea because I'm not feeling well. And uh, this was uh, I'm sorry. What's your name? Michelle, Thanks, our Michelle. W- waitress Michelle suggested this um, particular tea.
2: Do we want to order some food, while Michelle? Yes,
1: we're going to order some food. Uh, although Paul and I haven't really looked at the menu that closely. Uh, thank you. Oh, oh that's man. pretty. Look at that tea. It's a. Hmm. It's kind of a pink color. Uh, what kind of? Which one is it? Alchemy Sunshine. Alchemy Sunshine. Ooh, that's uh, the Tea Grotto from here in Salt. I go there every once in a while. I get ginger tea and it's just sh- almost it's almost like spray shredded ginger, mm. but it's really delicious um, should, should we do you want us to order now Michelle Whenever
2: ready, you want to order. Okay. let's look over in a few more minutes yeah,
1: well, just give us another about five minutes or so thanks I, I, I want to uh, go back to uh using that word mm-hmm. the n word well I'm looking at a menu here uh, i I sometimes think and I think you and I talked about this once mm mm-hmm. That is a, a shame that the word that that you can't use a word, right? Because words are important, and to say well you just can't use a word anymore seems sad or wrong somehow. And yet I can't bring myself to say it either. Yeah, and I I would actually
3: agree with that. For for me, it's the key thing is if you want to use the word or any words. Just know there's consequences, mm-hmm. because, as you said, words are important, words matter, so if you're wanting to use it, then know why you're wanting to use it and that was the lesson I learned all those years ago yeah was this was to use it in that way not just only harms you know the person that's the target, but it helps to spread it in certain ways, and there are certain words that I just won't use because of that.
1: Now there's... Uh, uh, so the the word we're talking about, the N-word, uh, I, I said this guy who I believe is a black man wrote this book called That Word, mm-hmm. and I assume that's what he discusses. As I recall, I didn't have... You've probably read the book. No, I haven't. Oh, you but haven't? Yeah. Well, what's wrong? <laughs> You're a professor. Uh, I, as I recall reading the reviews of the book, his argument is you shouldn't demonize a word out of existence, essentially. Uh, And I think he probably in the book is saying almost what you're saying. Mm -hmm. It it is a word that can and should be said occasionally. It needs to be said occasionally in certain contexts, but you better be damn careful about the context.
3: I I mean, where people talk about, let's, let's... clean up Tom Sawyer, and Huck, Huck Finn, yeah. um, and I just think, you know, the passing just recently of the great comedian and activist Dick Gregory, yeah. you know, there are people who use the word and use other words, and they're using them knowing the consequences.
1: He used that word all the time. I used yeah. to hear him, uh, he's, uh, he was great friends with uh, Don Imus, a uh, mm-hmm. uh, radio yep. guy. And Don Imus had him on fairly regularly, uh, even as recently as a year ago. I heard him talking with Don Imus, and and Dick made uh, didn't hesitate to use that word at all. Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: And it's. I mean, it's it, it's funny to think now in 2017, but I do, I do remember as a kid in the 70s watching TV, and there were times it would be said on TV.
1: I remember the last time I used it said it, uh, I said it on the radio, deliberately said it on the radio, Mm -hmm. uh, when we were talking about Dr. Laura, I remember when she, Laura Schlesinger, and she got uh, her ass handed to her, when somebody discovered some recordings, I think, of her speaking very badly about black people, and using the N-word, and and she just kept saying it over it yeah.
3: was it was, I think it was a caller who commu- it was on the air yeah, wasn't and it and yeah. it was on the air and she kept saying it over and over and over and mm-hmm. you know actually it's fun cuz Dr. Laura so I have a I actually have a talking Dr. Laura Schlesinger doll that <laughs> I use in, in one of my classes because because people, her degree was, I think, in kinesiology. Cus- yeah, but but she did later go back and get an actual kind of counseling degree. But her first doctorate was in this other area, and she was, but she was being touted as, oh, she's this relationship specialist. Yeah, and she had not been trained in it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. She. So I, I think I used the word because I, we didn't have the audio, but I read, oh. this is what she said, mm-hmm. and, and I. And I thought, thought it was kind of justified in that mm-hmm. situation and you know Yeah, there
3: there I've I've joked there are um, in movies there's there's really um there's three times, or two times I in movies that I hear it even though I'll won't I'll stop and I'll not say the word once blazing saddles when the when he The new I, sheriff the new sheriff is black and all this and but it's it's when when he's when everything's going on and the old woman, he's trying to help the old woman across the street and says up yours, you
2: know, um,
3: and then later after he saves the town from Mongo, um, she comes back with a pie going well Sheriff sorry sorry about the up yours, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's the um, the Barry Gordons the Barry Gordons the Last Dragon, which is a horrible film movie. But, but there's a play, there's a time where it's it's this. Guy being Bruce Lee, but mm-hmm. he's Bruce Leroy in uh, okay. Harlem. Mm-hmm. And he, he's supposed to have all these special powers and all this. And the uh, show, enough, the, the big badass in the movie, yeah. um, is talking to him. He goes, You're supposed to be able to do this, and you're supposed to be able to do that, and, and catch bullets with your teeth. And he goes, in word, please. <laughs> and it's just, to me, it's like, Bravo. It's or, oh, there is a third one. Yeah, That's well, right, the, blazing, the Blazing Saddles is yeah.
1: pretty hilarious. Yeah. But so.
3: I forgot Pulp Fiction.
1: Yeah, the the, the dad the, the word the, the, in dead my garage. In yeah. My garage, yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, so we're uh, let's order some food here, at current, N- and then yeah. we'll come back to the N word and other things <laughs> 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 we're discussing with Dr. Paul White. So we're back, and uh, we, so we uh, I guess we got right into it with the N word here with <laughs> Dr. Paul White. But uh, I want to go uh, talk to you a little bit about. Um, your, your life you know right. so how long have you been a black man paul
3: um, <laughs> all I, your life i I do believe so, I do yeah. believe all my life yes
1: now you uh, so I know you grew up in Kentucky right. mostly right yes.
3: Uh, yes i was i was the way I put it is i 'm an oklatuckian, I was born in north central Oklahoma in a little town called black, well actually born in Guthrie, which was the original capital for the state of Oklahoma till the people in Oklahoma City came and stole the state seal and took it down to Oklahoma City. Literally, really, yeah.
1: mm-hmm. um, you you can't be you can't be the capital anymore. No, nope. we're taking it.
3: Nope. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, we lived in Langston, which is a um, where it's the home of Langston University, which is a historical black college university. My father was a professor there in agricultural science, hmm. and the, one of the interesting things with Langston is you have this small town of probably always forget about 700 people with in with this university all black or well cuz from yeah at that time when my mom and dad moved there it was all black the the, the university the, the university the town everything really? yep because i always laughed that for me when people talk about integration integration were white people coming to Langston or yeah. coming close to Langston. Mm-hmm. Next to Langston is a sp- even smaller town called Coyle, Oklahoma, and it was all white. So you had this all black town next to the all white town, and there are, there were a number of all black towns in Oklahoma.
1: Really? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Uh, how did they uh, did the? How did they? I think of Oklahoma as being uh, kind of a redneck, racist place. Yeah.
3: No. Uh, well, yeah. It's, it's what because at the time one of the things like for Langston. Um, it's i always forget that it's not Langston Hughes it's named after but it's Langston Hughes's family member who for whom Langston Hughes is named after Fam-
1: famous black poet and yeah. writer yeah,
3: yeah. and they want it they want it Langston and a number of other towns to be black paradoxes because the what if if with all the talk of you know taking Andrew Jackson off the 20 dollar bill people forget that Oklahoma was fo- was basically formed because of the Trail of Tears.
1: Yeah. That was
3: that was that was one of the places where the Cherokee and other Native American Indian tribes ended up and were told this is your land forever. Then they discovered oil there, of mm-hmm. course, and all of a sudden, that's not their land forever.
1: Yeah. 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 I yeah, I had no idea. So how did the black towns like Langston get along with the White towns. Was there any interaction there, or did they just kind of leave each other alone? From from my understanding, they kind of just
3: coexisted. Is is the way it was? How is it that your father was a, a, a,
1: an agriculture scientist? <laughs> well, or you know, yeah. why, well, did he grow up in he
3: farming? He he was born in Texarkana, Arkansas, and I always joke being a, someone born in Oklahoma. That means he was born on the right side of Texarkana because it literally does split. Texas and Arkansas
2: mm-hmm.
3: um and I haven't seemed like I have an anti-Texas bit <laughs> to me um he you know his family was it was a big family but kind of a poor family and it was just one of his interests he did dairy farming and other stuff um when he was in college he actually went to Michigan State it's, yeah Michigan State's where he got a he got a master's degree um and he met mom while he was doing kind of visiting. Professor, he was a visiting professor at Southern <laughs> University for a year or two. This was in the late forties, um, and mom worked there in the registrar's office. And they met. He left, came back. They, you know, fell in love. It clicked.
1: And, yeah. Yep. Now, are you from a big family yourself, or? I'm the the
3: way I put I'm the baby of five of us, not so, not I have, huge, yeah, no. yeah, so I have yeah, so I it's but you think Catholic because we're Catholic fam, at that time Catholic family about yeah. five kids yeah that's about yeah. that's about typical because mm-hmm. um, all my other just about everybody else it's two or three kids um, but so and my siblings are all much older than me I have one sibling who's the closest to me in age is six years older than mm-hmm. me so everybody else is let's see 16, 15 and 13 years older than me
1: now uh, so so you you know you've sort of followed in your father's footsteps in that uh, education was very important mm-hmm. and i assume that was instilled in you by your father and
3: well it was actually it i did not want to get, become a professor um, it was the last thing i thought i would do because the as the story goes it like you were saying it kind of i kind of fall Fell into the family mm-hmm. business. Yeah. My oldest brother is a professor. He's a history professor. My other brother, at one point, taught high school. Um, my oldest sister, at one point, was working in schools. Mm-hmm. My other sister is a literally a school nurse now. Mm. Um, my grandma, my maternal grandmother was a was a teacher. My maternal great. Great grandfather, I think, was a was a teacher. Jeez. On my dad's side, one of my my great aunt was a um, well renowned well renowned teacher in Detroit area. When she died, they actually did a big article about her in the D- Detroit pre- uh, Free Press.
1: Yeah. So so a, lo- was, a long line of educators. Yeah,
3: and I didn't want to do that.
1: that.
2: What yeah. did you want to do? I
3: want. I've always wanted to do research. Um, I wanted to do research because I've always been curious, trying to ask questions and get answers with actual data and information. And I wanted to do work for, like, the uh, National Ad Council, so doing public service announcements. And part of that was I had done some when I was in college, um, but it was also I saw how influential ads and marketing can be for people so that's what I thought I wanted to do
1: and you d- actually you studied a lot of that mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and then somehow fell into professorship in uh, race, race relations and you know. well
3: it, it's the the work I did when I was in college I went to uh, Berea College in Kentucky and when I was in college I was interested in how gender impacts persuasion yeah. so why is it that when most and it's True to this day, when you listen to most ads, radio, television, it's male voiceovers. Mostly, yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's and I thought could it be that people think men are more persuasive, or you know, than women? Um, So I've always had that kind of bent to it. Mm -hmm. And um, when I here is a little dirty secret about academia in a lot of ways, especially in in psychology when you're in if you're wanting to be an academic and you're in you're going that academic route if you leave the field it's much harder to get back in it's easier to go academics first and then leave the field to do consulting or right. um, other yeah. type jobs
1: mm-hmm. So uh, and what's the name of your class actually?
3: The, the um, class the, that you teach. One of them I'm teaching right now is intergroup relations, and I also do a class called the psychology of getting what you want. Um, it's an attitudes of
1: persuasion class. So, so these are not specifically classes about uh, race relations and. Um... No, the the intergroup one is cl-
3: there is closest in that I talk about and focus on prejudice, stereotyping, mm-hmm. discrimination, isms, the theories and research behind it. And I try to get the students thinking about ways this plays a role in everyday life. Um, so that's where I give the hat tip to you a number of times where there are, there are boner candidates or other things that I'll you'll talk about that I'll go, oh, yes, I, I, if I haven't seen it, I'll use that to start the class. Because,
1: right. so, so for instance, the, the latest one was that... Uh, uh, Wellsville, Utah, right. the uh, Indian, uh, uh, sett- the pure white Mormon settlers versus the vicious Indian staging that they do every year. Right, because yeah. I had not heard that, and I thought
3: no. that was a that was a great that was a great opening for discussion about the social some of the social origins of how. We can pick up prejudice and stereotypes from our society
1: i mean it's possible to be prejudice uh, or to and to have stereotypical thoughts and not really even know that's what mm-hmm. what it is right right that, that you for instance i it's fascinating well it's fascinating i I keep thinking about this we're sitting right now right across the street from The Ute Car Wash, (laughs) super (laughs) pressure it says, Uh and there's a caricature of a Native American Mm -hmm. there on that sign. Uh, Does it surprise you that that things like that are still around? No,
3: it doesn't surprise me at all. Um, Actually, and before I say this, I I realize I should have started off. You know, I speak for myself. Mm-hmm. I am not speaking for the At University mm-hmm. of Utah, psychology, social mm-hmm. psychology, Catholic Church, Newman Center, mm-hmm. lay Dominicans, black people, Southerners, o- Okies, mm-hmm. anything, you know. This is um, all white. This is this <laughs> all is
1: white and what you think. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So one of the things in bringing up the Wellsville situation, mm-hmm. which, was, which was perfect, um, because I said to the students... This is why this is partially why I wish schools would stop using Native American mascots and nicknames. Mm-hmm. Because it becomes that oh but it's okay. And I actually said, even the University of Utah. Yeah. Because it seems like it's well, they're honoring. Yeah. And one of the things that I that pissed me off last spring was looking on um this was on social media where Players were be, were coming into the to the U and you know, are announcing they're coming to the U. And a tweet would go out saying, you know, "Welcome to the Ute Nation." And all I could think of is, like, wait, there is a Ute Nation, yeah, mile, not that far away from us. We're not the Ute Nation. No. I would say, "Welcome to the University of Utah," but not, "Welcome to the Ute Nation."
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's because the, the Ute Nation is a sovereign. Uh, country into uh, in and of itself essentially, right. and yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's fast. Fascin- it is fascinating that we do hang on to these things. Um, and I know the University of Utah has, and I think they're not being disingenuous when they say it uh, that they that they really do mean it as an you know we we mean this is an honor to the right. to the to these people. Uh, but they but then I know they've also said. And we try to provide scholarships for Native American people. And there have been people from the Ute Nation who say, eh, maybe not so much. <laughs> you know.
3: now, and even, even to me there, um, even if the university was to say all people who are of the Ute tribe can come here for free, mm-hmm. that would, I would go, okay, that would be better to, for, for me. But even there, it seems like that's buying them off. Um, yeah, and it's yeah. and it's it, why not just we we already we already have uh, my argument is we already have Swoop as the red the Redtail Hawk mascot. Why not just become the. The redhawks, or mm-hmm. the hawks, or something else than the youth
1: Do they not? They, they don't use the. I know they used to have a guy dressed as a Native American on a horse and right. They don't use that at all. No,
3: and I guess that got that was right. That got phased out before I came here. Yeah. You know, well, when I brought this up in class, a student brought up saying, "Well, you know, at, at the games, you're not allowed to wear headdresses, feathered headdresses." And I was like, okay, and they were saying this as, see, this is them trying to be respectful. Um, and I said, that's fine, but still, when before the now Utah fan instead of Utah man, which I know was a whole that was a controversial issue as well. Fans will still be in the stands doing the the arm chop. That kind of symbolizes uh-huh. the tomahawk drop right. from the Atlanta Braves, yeah, basically from year
1: from decades ago, yeah. Um, and they and used th- to wear head. I think a lot of the students used to wear. They Indian would wear, headdresses and stuff yeah. in the in the stands. How far do we go with all of this? I mean, really, you know, there are any number of uh, squaw peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, squaw's a really nasty word. Yep. to to Native American people, Uh, there are um, any number, well, uh, the name of the state (laughs) of Utah, I mean is, uh, do you have any kind of an opinion about how far we should go? Uh, You know, when I was just down in Moab, (laughs) you know, it was Negro Bill Canyon, Mm -hmm. and and I remember a time when it wasn't Negro Bill Canyon, it was N-word Bill Canyon, and on a lot of older maps you'll still see Mm -hmm. that. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, Bill was a black man in the area in the late 1800s, I think, and he was a cowboy, and he worked on people's ranches for them, and I think he had his maybe his own little herd of cattle mm-hmm. that he dealt with, and his name was Bill Grandstaff, but everybody in town referred to him as old N-word Bill, and he apparently even referred to himself as, right, well, oh, yeah, that's me, I'm N-word Bill. Um so they changed it to Negro Bill, and now the sign there now says Grandstaff Canyon, his last name. The people in uh, the people in Moab are not happy with that. Mm-hmm. They want to change back to Negro Bill Canyon. Um, so I mean, so this is this is the kind of things we mm-hmm. face, and and it's great that we're talking about it. All right. So what on your opinion? How far do we go with all of? That? See,
3: that's that's a good example of, and I know the. Um, Jeanette Williams, Janetta Williams, and the NAACP here in Salt Lake has come out saying. I think they came out saying, "We don't
1: have a big problem with Negro Bill. Right. That's not bad."
3: Yeah. Um, to me, if the, if the it seems like it, you could still pay him homage. You could still talk about him. You could even have there on the plaque with the name of the canyon, mm-hmm. talking about. You could have Negro and N word if you wanted mm-hmm. to. It's those. That's an example of where I think it would be better to change it and have people think about, you know, why it's been changed. We can have those conversations. It's similar to me with the Confederate mo- memorials in that. People do not understand why some of these memorials, most of these memorials, were put up, and if we could, it's not. It wasn't to honor just the war dead or the war hero, quote unquote heroes. Yeah. It was to intimidate.
1: Yeah, they were now, and I'll give you a chance to take a bite of your sandwich okay. or something. I'll, I'll, let me, and if I, I'll explain this, and if I go wrong, you tell me. But most of those monuments in the South <clears throat> were put up. Uh, paid for by the sons and or, and or daughters of the Confederacy, mm-hmm. groups of, uh, like the daughters and sons of the Utah Pioneers here in Utah, right. and uh, they, they, are, uh, they were put up in the 50s and 60s near courthouses mm-hmm. and, public, and in public park, parks uh, because these people wanted to intimidate black people by these monuments. Just don't you forget, you're in the South.
3: And it was also as a pushback against civil rights movements that were going on, um, things that were being, the rights that were being granted to blacks and others. Now, going back to the how far to go, yeah. um, I think we need to have the conversations. And that's the problem, is that sometimes when people want, they don't want to have the conversations at all on one side. Yeah. On the other side, it can be we want to, Get rid of everything, and even with the Confederate monuments, the Confederate flag, which is the battle flag of you know of a of a particular group, there it's I don't want. I wish people would not say erase these things, Um, and I don't think people are saying to erase them because as someone who. Like I said, my oldest brother's a professor. He's a historian, pro- history professor. I love history. I love m- trying to understand these stories and inf- this information. It would be better to have it somewhere where we can learn, where we can have these difficult conversations at times, as W. Kamal Bell talks about, it, is the awkward conversations. I've always said that's how we grow, that's how we learn mm-hmm. from. Being open about these issues.
2: I mean, to me, it always seems like when when you you build a statue or put up a plaque on public land, you're not doing it to have a conversation. You're doing it to honor somebody. When you name a street after somebody, when you put up right. their statue, that or, or name a canyon after them, it's honoring that. It's holding that up as a good thing. I, and but, I but a statue or something in a museum or in a Somewhere where it's meant to have a conversation is a different thing. But to me, big public statues out in the middle of your town—you don't do that. Of oh, here's this really difficult thing to discuss. Right,
3: and if—and one of the things, if you—if you, if you want to have that, and you do those things, um, then tell the full story, like the Wellsville situation, where they're only telling their side of the story. We know history gets. Told by you know the story. The line goes: history is told by the winners. Yeah. In the in the case in some of these cases though, it's not history being told by the winners. It's well, actually, I take that back. But Ultimately, it is yeah. they are the winners because and I'll use the term when you talk about our society in the United States. We're talking about a lot of things that were built on white supremacy. Well, this, and, and I mean the
1: whole country was. I mean, really, we came here and took this land away from people. Yes. White people came here and took it away from Native people. Yes. There's no... And that's what they did in Wellsville.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Brigham Young sent those pioneers up there, those Mormons up there, and said, go, go settle up there and get those Shoshones out of there. Mm-hmm. We want them out of there. You guys settled the, that area, and they went up there and did, and there was conflict, and, yeah. and I guess I don't... I don't know exactly, so history was told by the white Mormons for a long time, and still they're trying to tell the history in Wellsville the same way, that it was the vicious Indians that kept raiding them and trying to kill them, and and there were those kinds of fights. And so, But then I don't know how people do this kind of research, and maybe you could address that too because you love history and your brother's a historian how did we find out that that's really not the case that what ultimately ended up happening is that soldiers from Fort Douglas here mm-hmm. well there's probably a written record that's yeah. how we found and it had, out because yeah, it's a fed this was a federal installation mm-hmm. and Brigham Young kept saying to the feds we need help
3: yeah. with those Indians up and there and that's what that's what you do you just keep digging and digging and digging and, and so, digging so the soldiers so. from
1: Fort Douglas went up there and and decimated that tribe just killed them and raped their women, and uh, and what few members of the Shoshone uh, there in that uh, northern part of Utah, and I, I, I learned all of this from reading Robert Gerke's mm-hmm. column in the Salt Lake Tribune, I'm not a historian, I just, uh, I, it was great, that was, I think it was the best thing I've ever read that Gerke did, it was so telling, but they decimated that tribe, what few members were left, I guess, moved up into Idaho to, and kind of, Joined up with another uh, branch of the Shoshone or something, mm-hmm. but uh, so that's the real story, and yet those people who live in Wellsville are still trying to tell this fake bullshit story. Yeah, and it's that's just, and they're still resisting. I said I think this will be the last summer they do that. I maybe not though, because they're still. The, like the mayor is a little upset about the whole thing. Like, well, I wish we could just come to some kind of agreement that we could still do it. Maybe we'll just do it in a different way.
2: What the hell? You know, Yeah, I give, I give it, I give it,
3: I, give it one, I think one more year. And, more. but it, but I think if it will change or hopefully it will change. Um, in, in large part, because again, we get to get more of the story. One of the things you hear people will say, um, it's tradition.
1: Yeah.
3: And, uh, uh, the example sorry while we're eating the example I, I used in class is yeah when I was when I was a little kid I used to shit myself tradition. okay that's tradition you could yeah. go that's tradition that's not
1: mm-hmm.
3: no we we can change and grow we don't have to be the same year after year after year after year
1: other 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 cultures and other countries have dealt with this and tried to deal with it and I think you know they're Probably the prime example that comes to mind is Germany de- dealing with, with Hitler <coughs> and you know, the Nazis.
3: And I think South Africa with the truth and reconciliation, the trials and, and conversations they had.
1: And Australia has tried to deal with it uh, hmm. a lot more with the uh, aboriginal people. And, you know, they, they realize somewhere along the line they said, oh my God, what did we do to these people?
3: Mm -hmm. But that's the thing here, and it seems like in our society, we don't want to have those tough conversations. We don't want, people want to say, oh, slavery, um, the decimation of Native American tribes, the rules that disallowed, I was about to say Asian, but particular Chinese immigrants, immigrants. the taking of land, like we are we are literally sitting in a place that used to be Mexico.
1: Yeah, Utah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, Yeah, father father uh, Escalante. Yep. He was here a long time before.
3: Yeah, those kind of
1: situations
3: and issues that come up that pop up. We we don't it seems like we don't want to we don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. We don't want to you know, why can't we just kumbaya get along? and i think we can kumbaya get along and still disagree that it doesn't mean that we can be friends and have these talks without having to say okay now i'm just going to ignore everything that you feel think believe etc mm-hmm. one of the one of the one of the terms that the students will the past students have learned and future students will see is not to use the word colorblind around me, because I because the and I talk about colorblindness as being this what they say wiping out group. You know, so why why do why aren't we we should just be Americans? Why African-American? Why
1: Why do you have to say Why? black lives matter? White lives matter, too. All lives matter. Yeah. All yeah. lives matter.
3: And I would direct people to, there's a, there's a, you can look it up. I think it's all t-shirts, all t-shirts matter. <laughs> um, this guy did this brilliant thing about t-shirts and talking about showing how that was. There was a, actually, there was a great meme with Hurricane Harvey. I don't know if y'all saw it, where it was the picture of flooded Houston and saying, I know Houston's hurting right now, but all cities matter. Now you see how dumb this shit is, Mm -hmm. you know, that saying is. um, But it's that that idea that we say, let's just be Americans. And I then toss it back to students and others going, okay, what's an American? Define for me what is an American. And they struggle. And I go, okay, as an African-American, I can say... I have this history, that history, here's what I, and, and it ties into my my societal and ancestral connections.
1: It's, your, it's um, in your
3: genes, right. Um, and I point out to people this isn't just for non-whites that I'm go into graduate school in Boston and know lots of people who are proud Italian Americans, Irish Americans. Jewish Americans, other groups, other ethnicities. So why should it be that we take away group? Mm-hmm. Because taking away group is taking away part of your identity. We all have our individual identities, but we also have part of our social and group identities. That's just as important
1: mm-hmm. to us. Do you, uh, <clears throat> just speaking of that, Your, you know, your your heritage and ancestry, I was going to ask you earlier and we'll, we'll continue to circle around this too. The, I know it's always been difficult for uh, black Americans uh, of uh, of African ancestry particularly to trace their history back uh, mm-hmm. s- very far i mean some some families more successfully than others and you know, I don't know uh, uh, what's his, uh, the guy who wrote Roots. You know, Alex Haley. Alex, Alex Haley. Who I got
3: to—that's pr- uh, one of my proud moments, getting to hang out with him.
1: Yeah. So, so he really was able to do that, uh, with of. maybe a little embellishment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> just, just, you, you know.
1: just, a tad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but, but it's the, the difficulty of doing that. If mm-hmm. you, how far back can you trace your?
3: Well, um, we. Mom and I, my mom and I did this for a while. Um, and actually, it was kind of fun in high school. One of the honored English classes I had, one of the assignments was doing genealogy, and this was in the 80s. My one of my sisters, who also went to Berea College, while she was there in the 80s, um, you know, she took a genealogy class and was doing some of this. So, we've been kind of we had done it on and off for years, even you know, then I ended up here in Utah, which yeah. was kind of perfect. Um, for some parts, for some strains, uh, we can go back to, I know, I think it is close to almost the 1600s. Um, because I have Native American Indian. I have um, white, black. Um, and, and the white part, we think, is England because there are some, some records that go, if, if the family stories are to be, be believed, um, that you know, some of those ancestors came over in the 1770s, <coughs> 1780s. Um, that, the county I grew up in, mostly in town I grew up in in Kentucky, um, some of my ancestors were there before it was an actual county. Um, in the early 1800s, um, which as, was as the, slaves? <coughs> no, as, nope. as some. Well, there were some that were slaves, some that were free, um, and some that were, like I said, were white. Um, my my great grandmother, yeah, my great grandmother, um, Grandma Emma is the one that's the mystery. Um, the story goes, and I've got her, and my great grandfather's. A copy of their birth certificate, or their, their marriage certificate mm-hmm. in the late, it was like 1888, um, he was black, she was either white or mulatto, as the
1: term was back then. Is that, is that still an acceptable term, by the way, mulatto and uh, quadroon yeah, and all of those? Yeah,
3: those, those drop of, the drop, blood drop, yeah. or bl- blood drop rules, and mm-hmm.
1: yeah. No. Not Not, not really, real
3: yeah. Um. But it was one. It was intriguing. So they got married. We've got that. Um, the problem is the 1890 census is the one that burned for the whole United States. That's the one that's every, you know. And but there are certain there were certain pockets, certain places, certain um, like army records and mm-hmm. things where you can trace it back. My grandfather, um, who I gr- grew up around. Um, was born in 1892, and died when he was 98. So it's like, I, all I could think of was like, great, i have got long living genes. That's Yay. good. <laughs> not um, so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I joke with my wife. It's like, when when we hit about 80, we'll start negotiating.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um,
3: but it's so she. But she died mm-hmm. not long after he was born, and then. He, great-grandpa great-grandpa remarried and then so in the 1900 census there's all of his and you know the new me- wife and kids yeah that
1: makes but it hard. it's
3: hard to find her mm-hmm. and trace back to her um, um but that that's I know that's one pocket and there's some there's a pocket on my dad's side because my grandmother was the story is half Indian mm-hmm. um and some of that is hard to trace back.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, but you can't you can't go back to you know what African tribe. No, I haven't.
3: Yeah, I haven't tried yet.
1: But I've I've
3: actually wanted to. But then it's kind of funny because one of my colleagues at the at the U, um, is she's of Italian and Irish mix, um, and when she and I were working on some of these issues together, you know, she goes back to Italy just you know in in the 1800s and it's this you know it's they were Ill, she talked about how they were illiterate and it's just the it's serfdom basically and she can't you know it stops where I can go further back oh yeah um, and I remember her one time joking looking at me she goes that's funny you're more American than I am and I'm like yeah my yeah. ancestors have been here your ancestors long, long. were yeah. still over in Ireland and in Italy yeah. and my ancestors were owning people and doing stuff here yeah you
1: know? yeah um, you know you said something in there too that I think just sparked a little interest in me that I didn't I was not familiar with it uh, that there were even when the with the institution of slavery there were always certain numbers of free mm-hmm. black people how how did that come about
3: or, they just they were here, and they were that. That was just who they were. There were only because if you think about with sla- with slavery, people who were being brought here as labor, there was always there were always some blacks who had money, yeah. who had power, who had prestige, who had come over to from the other United countries. States. Yes. who came, who came other... over. Um, given that we're recording this on 9/11 and wow. thinking about what you know the idea that w- a lot of people do not realize or know Crispus Atticus he was one of the f- if not the first one of the first people to die for the revo- in the revolutionary war at the the Boston massacre he was a free black man
1: I didn't know I yeah. I, I didn't know that
3: yeah and that's so from the very beginning before the country was even formed, there were blacks who were fighting and dying for freedom. Mm.
1: And uh, that uh, the movie I always want to say 12 Years a Slave" is it thirteen? No, it's twelve. Twelve, 12, 12 years, years a slave. A slave. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he that was, guy he was always, he was always a free man, yes. wasn't he? He was always a free man. Yeah, yeah. and a, a musician. I think, and
2: uh, except for like a twelve-year period. Except for well, a 12 I year. think he was not. Yeah. Well. Was
1: a, I could. I I finally <laughs> I finally made myself go see that movie, and it was. It's one of those kind of movies you say, I don't know if I really want to see that again. It's, it's very, if you haven't seen it, it's great, but it's very harrowing. And
2: yeah.
3: There's a scene, and it's not, it's not spoiler, um, that I just love the way the, they put it together, where he is lit, he's looking kind of, it's not centered screen, but he's kind of, on a, I think, on the left side of the screen, and he's just staring out. And it is like he is just staring at you, sitting there watching yep. him in this situation. Yeah. And it is that kind of, and it's, it's not a five or sec, ten seconds. It's yeah.
1: for a while. I
2: remember. Yeah. Yeah. Chiwetel Ejiro.
1: He's really a good actor. Yes.
2: And Lupita Nyong'o.
1: Yeah. Yep. It's the first time we've really seen her in anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. And Brad
1: Pitt. You know, people say. Well, he was good. He was really he produced the movie too. Yeah. I mean, he was and he was good. And uh, what's his name is the slave owner. Uh, oh,
3: um, Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah and the, oh. but there was the other guy too. Anyway, they they were all excellent. Uh, just mm-hmm. it would be really hard to, as an actor to do some of those things where you have to be the
2: the worst kind of.
1: Yeah and they you know they've talked to white actors who've had who played in movies and stuff where they they have to treat black people mm-hmm. horribly it's really just awful that you know it's just awful
2: yeah. and do. see here's
3: here's a here's a twist on on that It's to me it's intriguing that cuz I've read those stories and I still remember the great there was a great story about when Spielberg was doing Amistad
2: mm-hmm. and they had
3: the the they were putting the people in bonds in chains on this on the ship to film the scene yeah. and you had the productions people doing this mm-hmm. and it was all basically a white production staff yeah. putting <coughs> literal chains on black people and they were like, Ooh yeah.
1: how did a change feel yeah. Oh, yeah. <coughs> maybe not do this. too tight?
3: Yeah. <laughs> but see that but you hear those but then what about and this is this gives you an insight of how I think about things at times. What about actors who are played, who are playing rapist?
2: Yeah, yeah,
3: or mm-hmm. who are being domestic violence abusers, and the, you don't hear people going, "Well, let's ask this actor, how did it feel to beat this woman?" You know, how did it feel to do these kind of things? But with these other situations, you hear more and more because we we tend to have a more a, a higher sensitivity to. Intergroup relations when it comes to ethnicity than when it comes to gender.
1: Do you do you uh, have any advice for people, or do you ever talk to people about how to examine their (coughs) own thinking Mm -hmm. and say? And you probably know where I'm going with this. And say, uh, I I am not thinking correctly about this issue about race or. Find things in your own. It's like you know. Sometimes, like like, uh, Kerry was saying the other day, he's thinking about getting rid, rid of the uh, term uh, "live long and prosper," bitches. Mm-hmm. You because of the word "bitches," mm-hmm. and somebody had apparently said to him, "You ought to think about that word a little bit." Um, or you know, one of his favorite swears, and I always like to do is, but well, we can say it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's cocksucker. And and I I love that swear. What well. what a cocks. But but it's really a derogatory, awful thing to say in in terms of, uh, of people being gay. Mm-hmm. You know. So so how do you, how do you find things? There's just things that just wouldn't occur to you as being awful. Well, one of the
3: things, like I said earlier, it's it's those having those difficult conversations. Part of that is being willing to have those difficult conversations. To listen, to not to you know where I can get I can probably guess who may have said it to Carrie, but um, uh, since I don't know, I don't know um, either,
1: so we should leave um, it out. But
3: but you know that person having the courage to approach Carrie. Carrie having the courage to listen and really reflect and think about it, not just automatically snap to. I'm going to defend it. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is my word. You're being too sensitive. What's wrong with you? Well, that's Can't not the way I mean it. it. Yeah, I yeah, and and because I've had, and I will use the word friends, good friends, who would say in word or other stuff around me when I was growing up and you know later on in life, and then go, oh, but I don't mean you. They're that. Yeah. You're one of the good ones. Yes,
1: yeah, you're oh. one of the good ones. You're almost <clears throat> which,
3: like a white guy. Which I used to joke, and I would say that to other white people, like, no, oh, you're one of the good ones, or you're a good egg kind of thing is a, another way to say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's there's a, there's a book or a, a reading that I recommend to people. Um, it's, it's Peggy McIntosh. It's, it's now, I think, 30-something years old. It's called Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. And she and she's she's doing this from the white privilege perspective of realizing here's all the things I can do and say that just seem normal to me mm-hmm. uh, but she talks about because for me it was the what it was eye opening was the gender part because she talked about yes I you know as a black man there are lots of things that I worry about concerned about um, I do morning walks, and a lot of times I am doing things on purpose in a way and I talked about this a few weeks ago on Twitter um, where I smile at people, not just because i 'm a southerner, and it's just our genteel way, yeah you know, um, but it's because one of it is so that because I may be the only black person that person sees all day, yeah, and yeah. not just because this or is all Utah week, <laughs> yeah and it's not just Utah yeah. there's <laughs> yeah. actually Kentucky's whiter than Utah. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh. but it's but it's also because it becomes this disarming kind of. I am not as. Again, I'm going to evoke W. Kamau Bell. He in his book, he talks about being a BBM, a big black man. Mm.
1: Yeah, and you, you are a. For people who don't know you, you are a, a tall. Imposing. You can be imposing. Although I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I know you. But I look at your, I look at your face and I think, oh, that's a gentle soul. And that's what a lot of people will say. They'll yeah. say, oh, you seem so, you're so nice, you're so kind, you're that, so. That's and you yeah. do. That's. I mean, even, but I think even just looking at you, I would think, well, that's kind of a gentle, nice-looking person. Yeah. But
3: I remember this. I remember this in grad school and other times of talking, having conversations with people who would say you know they were they were it was females talking about having to you know, carry keys in between their knuckles and other things, and i was tell it was it was beat per beat for beat I was telling them the things they were going to say, yeah, and was saying mm-hmm. I do these similar similar type of things a lot of times I may be the one who crosses the street a lot of times I may be the one who does the <coughs> As I'm coming up on someone from behind, because I don't want them to all of a sudden
2: turn around and go, "Oh my God, it's yeah. a black guy behind yeah. me!" Yeah. Um, those kind of things. Yeah. Part of that, I mean, part of that is being a big guy. Like, uh-huh. I, I I know, uh, I remember lots of times in New York, I'd get off the subway to go back to my apartment, and there'd just be like one woman who'd get off, and it would be n- late at night, and I'm like, "Oh, she doesn't know I'm walking behind her." Yep, she yeah. turns around. There's some giant, you know, some big fat guy in a, you know, it's winter, so in like a black in over the trench
1: coat, and then the mask you always and wear, and then the mask,
2: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like I, so I would wait for her to get mm-hmm. far enough away that I wouldn't scare her, or it just, I mean, I to, I see what you're saying,
3: but see, and that's the part of it is being able to take that into consideration. A lot of a number of people don't or won't. Yeah. One of, and that's what I was saying with the unpacking invisible knapsack, it's great to get people thinking through those issues. One of the, but again, one of the key things is having people listen. So many times in even thinking about discussions of Black Lives Matter, people will go, oh, well, they are wanting this and they are wanting that, and why can't we just, it's like sometimes you need to just step back and listen to the other side. Even though it may not feel good doing so, you need to do that. If you're truly wanting to be an ally, if you're truly wanting to work for social justice and some of these issues, you have to be willing to step into it because the people who are speaking up and speaking out, they're having to deal with this every minute of their lives, mm-hmm. just about.
1: Yeah, it's just, the, here's an interesting one. Uh, I was I, I didn't realize, I guess, that Amy Donaldson does sports up for us. She does a podcast. She co-hosts a podcast called Voices of Reason, I think. Mm -hmm. And I listened to a little bit of it the other day. And her co-host, and she she and her co-host were talking about gender issues and in sports reporting, Mm -hmm. and how it was. They they were talking about uh, somebody was talking about these two uh, athletes, a male and a female athlete, who were married. Uh, and they're married, and so the so the the reporter, or whoever was talking about, it, I guess it was a coach, saying, "Now this is the male a- athlete, and his attributes are this and this and this and this." And then his wife, she's tall and elegant and uh, very strong, and uh, has a really good mind and is a very a very good uh, athlete as well. And the the couple of issues that were there uh, made a lot of sense to me. Were uh, that you didn't describe how the coach didn't describe how the man looked right, right. but felt it necessary to describe that the, the woman was elegant looking and very attractive and oh and she's a good yeah. so, so, I, th- so I, got, I got that but then there was the issue of referring to someone as his wife mm-hmm. his wife now <clears throat> I am, I, I'm not dumb I get this idea of possession uh, she is not his possession. Um, you know, I refer to my wife a lot of times as my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not my possession, and I—that's—that's that's not my intention. And, I, and, and she I, reminds
2: him of that. Now, all.
1: <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, um, yeah, no, you know what she's like. She's huh? Uh, but so I. But I just wanted to inject myself into that conversation. With Amy mm-hmm. and her co-host, whose name I'm sorry. I uh, Jason Lee. Jason Lee. So yeah. he a former, he's a former athlete, isn't he? Or
3: I th- think so. Or or he, I know he's from Chicago, and he's been here a
2: while um, doing different things with uh, Deseret News. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dr. Oh, Paul White, right. how do you know so much what? about this podcast? Yeah.
3: Well, I listen to this podcast because, to me, it is part of the Radio for Hell family. But also, I think their latest guest
1: may be... He was be, awful. Is it Dr. Paul, Paul White? Was, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know that. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I, I'll have to li- I'll listen to some more then. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this is my my, uh, uh, my wife. Uh, and I, I still am taking a little bit of... And, and they discussed it very well. And Amy's mm-hmm. really good at kind of parsing these things out and not you know, not being adamant about things. But it's just, it's just like we're doing. It's a mm-hmm. discussion that needs to be had. And I, th- I said, well, you know, I kept thinking, well, women also refer to... Their husbands as mm-hmm. my, my husband. husband. Yeah. So I, you know, and to me, I don't that's, think that's going too far. You no. Could still see, say my wife, right? And see, there's
3: a there's the situation where people. There are some people who, yes, may want to say you don't you don't use those terms at all. There are others who you know. It's like no, you I I would disagree. I would say no. I say actually, I say my. The white. I actually, you don't. I just realized don't, I don't say my wife a lot of times. I say I, the white sea devil.
1: But that's a whole other. Yeah, you know. right. We could do another whole podcast <laughs> on you being married to a white woman. And, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, what, uh, you you what, don't I'll, call her my woman, I no. think. Well, you know, that's I, offensive. I also. Uh, I didn't always say my wife, though. Hmm. I didn't care. You know, I only started saying it, I think. I think it was. My wife, Jenny, who said this, but maybe it was your mother, my first wife, Dylan's Mm -hmm. mother. One of my wives said to me at some point, I would always just refer to her by her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, They'd say, oh, hi, Hi, Bill, it's nice to meet you. Who's this? And I'd say, oh, this is Jenny. Mm. I would just... Use her name, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. or maybe it was your,
2: no. It was it was. Uh, it was I think it Jenny. was
1: probably Jenny. This is a long time ago. We've been married twenty years now. Mm-hmm. It was quite a while ago, and she said, "Why don't you refer to me as your wife? Are you ashamed that?" And I said, "No, <laughs> I just, I just said that's your name. <laughs> Who's this? It's Jenny, right? You mm-hmm. know, and and I didn't I didn't like to use the term my wife, and but now I use it all the time. And see that's the, and that's part of it is it's
3: having so in in. Let's see if I can, even though I'm not that kind of psychologist, let's see if I can do this um, for you, you were just thinking, "Oh, I'm just saying her name, that's what I want to do. I want to say her name. she's my wife, I know she's my wife. we're connected i don't I don't need to say that she's a person she may be thinking. Why isn't he saying that we're connected? He's mm-hmm. just, it's almost like, oh, this is so-and-so that yeah. I've just met yeah. off the street, too.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, why isn't there a connection there? Yeah. Why can't we be connected? Um, it makes and so, sense. And, But it's having that kind of, that's the thing. It's like, it's like going, oh, you know, I'm a Southerner. I tell stories and spin things. So going all the way back to the canyon in southern Utah, that's part of it. It's like, why have Negro Bill... Why not just call it his last name, Grandstaff? Yeah, you know, Grandstaff, and then have that conversation. You can have that conversation there for people who want to know mm-hmm. more. But if it's, you know, if it's Negro Bill, then it's what's the first thing you think of? Oh, that's it's mm-hmm. Negro. Mm-hmm. It's the black man, or mm-hmm. and not? And I'm not talking yep. about Michael the black man who follows Trump around. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but is I mean that, so if it's always my wife, my wife, and no name attached to it, mm-hmm. there it becomes like oh, that's where you can think about this is a possession.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's fascinating. You know, you can talk about this stuff, and it's, and it's really good to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And 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 me asking the question, how do you find out if there are these things in you that you don't realize that you're by by doing just what we're doing mm-hmm. by kind of having those conversations about. Them. You know, and I, I, yeah, and so here we are at the Ute Car Wash right across the street, the grinning face uh-huh. of a, a, a comic Indian, I, and I just wonder why somebody in 2017. Why
3: I will admit, when I first moved here in '95, there was one of the. I think it was the. It was, a, it, was it may have even been called Happy Little Ute down on Twenty First South, mm-hmm. and I refused to go there yeah because of that you know, that kind yeah. of care and they should be the
1: ute that maybe they still are the Ute cab company I think, <laughs> are I, they think still it, yeah, I think yeah. it yeah. is still around yeah so it's it's fascinating i there's so many other things I want to talk to you about, but I think we've been here at this for about an hour oh mm-hmm. uh, I'd love to talk to you sometime It keeps coming up in my mind about the uh, degrees of blackness, mm mhm-. <laughs> you mean like, like well, it's like, like a, a, how dark uh, a person's skin is? Oh, I
3: thought you meant like an Obama versus a you know, someone else where people talk about. You know, a Dick, that's what going back to Gregory. That's I will tell people if you can look it up. It's I can't remember which year it was. It was the Black Affairs Conference. It's a couple of years ago. Dick, Gre- if you, I think if you just look, Dick Gregory, um, Cornell West. Talk, discussing um, Bill Clinton, you will find it. It's a it is one of the best little clips talking about Bill Clinton. And the two of them he, are
1: talking about Bill Clinton. Well,
3: he, he, Dick Gregory goes off about <clears throat> talking about with 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 poor Bill Clinton. Us black folks, we we told you you were black. We gave you, we said you were black, and then you know for Obama, we're saying you're not black enough. And, mm-hmm. and he, but he goes on talking about in a. He says how for Bill Clinton, that's fine if you want to play black and say this stuff and do these things, but the problem comes when you start using it as your address.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah,
3: and it's just, and I won't. He just, it's brilliant the takedown of of how we can think about again, kind of being black in the United States, being othered in the United States.
1: There's never going to be a time where we don't see it.
3: No. And, 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 and I give, can't pretend. Right. And I give the example of in the United States, we like I said, we're, we seem to be specially tuned to ethnic, ethnic differences. But I did, I, in class, I'll use Quebec as an example. I'll go, okay, Quebec, there's a lot of conflict. There you had it's white people and even black people who, you know, the conflict isn't about... Ethnicity, in terms of skin color, it's about do you speak French or English. Mm-hmm. Go to Northern Ireland, the the Troubles, Catholic. You know, and it was the Protestant Catholic and Protestant. Yeah. You go to Rwanda, it wasn't even religion there. It was tribes. It was tribes because everybody was Catholic there. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks the same, but it's the tribes. Yeah. So there's the the students will ask and people will ask, what's the solution for prejudice and stereotypes? And I say one. Purchase stereotypes are not bad in and of themselves, even though that, and that can be kind of controversial. We use them. We need them in some ways. The problem comes when we use them as inflexible tools and we're not willing to change or learn. Two, if you want to get rid of them, the best way to do it is cut your head off. Because <laughs> some things we, ca- we can. It's a little
1: impractical. Yeah,
3: yeah but we, can, we naturally categorize things. Categorizing things can lead to stereotypes. This is a table. That's a plate. Now, we are, I think, males. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You know, those kind, you know, we can make these quick, easy categories that way. That's just a byproduct of our cognitive abilities and thinking. The problem then comes when we're, the three of us are sitting here as males, and then someone else sits down who may look like us but say, she's female. And we go, No, 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 you're male. It's like, no, I'm not.
1: No, I'm not. Yeah. You know, and that's that's where the problem well, is. Well then you have to so that that's then you say you have to Oh, you're not? Oh, well what are you? They tell you and then you accept that. Right. Because and that's you, what they say. And you listen,
2: yes. As yes. long as they don't use the same bathroom I get to use, I don't care. <laughs> but do you really want anybody using your bathroom? I nope, just, I honest. just wish you, there. Were, I just want every bathroom to be a single person bathroom. I just, I just With don't. With an automatic fan. I don't mm-hmm. care.
1: You know, I don't care. I can be. I could be standing in a restroom, doing my business, and, and if a woman walked in and wanted to use the bathroom and go into the stall, I'd be fine. I don't care. Uh, it's happened at concerts and yep.
3: sporting events, yep. and it's like
1: the last yeah. time I was at the state fair, I think it was the state fair, and the bathroom was so busy. The men and the women's was even worse, I Mm -hmm. guess, because a woman came into the men's bathroom. There must have been 20 guys in there. It's a a big bathroom out there. That's one part of the state fair. She she came in and said, woman in the bathroom, I can't wait any longer. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there was a single guy there. There were some chuckles but nobody was pissed off or angry. <laughs> right. so well, that, again, I <laughs> think... That nobody was angry. I think
2: we're the wrong side of this issue. I don't think the debate is coming from men really worried about women in their restroom. Well... I don't think that's the... the right?
1: Mm-hmm. I, well, I don't well, know. Are I women mean, worried that men are coming into their think,
2: restroom? I think that's the bigger concern, or it's men worried that other men are going to come into the restroom while their wives or daughters are... be an interesting
1: right. social experiment to see... If I could do that, if I could go to a women's restroom, open the door and say, Ladies, the men's room is too crowded. I can't wait. I'm going to come in here and use one of the stalls. Yeah. I wonder what would happen. See, I think... To me... That, I think I'd be arrested. Yeah. Well,
2: where are you? Oops. Are you at again, City Creek? At the are there. you... Oh, okay. at the state saying, you, yeah. probably, you might be okay at the yeah. state Maybe pair. the state fair yeah. is okay. See, I,
3: to me, it, that would be that would be fine. Actually, when it was going to see the eclipse and up in Idaho, and um, stopped at stopped at this um, same gas station twice, and that was when the first time a guy comes out of the women's room, and he's you know he's got this, he's got like Ooh. two or three guns on him and a band you know the bandana and all this <laughs> stuff, and i was just like, huh, okay, you know. I was like, yeah, no, that is, right. it's a single stall, and mm-hmm. you, d- well. you got to go, you got to mm-hmm.
1: go. I think we should just get rid of all gender, just make all restroom, restrooms gender neutral. Just I'll, all of them. Yeah. Well,
3: I will say that I was at a, a another radio station's studios, and it was funny to see they had newer. Um, universal bathrooms, and they had a sign in there talking about the cleanliness of the bathroom has deteriorated since it's been, you know, (laughs) and I just, I just had to laugh. It was like, that's probably true. Uh,
1: Dr. White, uh, pleasure. Thank Um, you. And uh, I hope you enjoyed your fish sandwich. It was very good. And see, this is a guest on the Let's Go Eat show. ...who knew how to eat and to carry on a conversation. Right. I, listen, I listen to the show. <laughs> it just really bothers me sometimes, you know. P- people eat, have conversations over a meal all the time. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when you put them in front of a microphone, they can't seem to figure out how to eat and have a conversation.
3: Yeah, but it's somewhere m- mom's probably frowning at me right now. Yeah. But,
1: eh. You're the perfect producer for this show, too, Dylan, because he hates it when people eat into a microphone like this. Mm. These are great, aren't they? Okay, that's all. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let's Go each show.
2: If you're pouring the drinks, make bills a double.
1: Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Dr. White.
2: Thank you. Broadway Media Podcast Network.